the giant thinkers giant thinkers podcast hey guys welcome to the show i'm ram castillo and in this podcast i'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers creatives and giant thinkers G'day Giants, Ram here. This is episode number 69. Our guest is the founder of Boost Juice and Retail Zoo, the parent company of Boost Juice, as well as Salsa's Fresh Mex, Sibo Espresso, and Betty's Burgers. She's also an Australian Shark Tank investor, author, and the mother of four children. It all started with her vision of getting more fruit and veggies in people's diet and loving life along the way, which is now a reality. With over 2 million smoothies and juices sold every month, Boost Juice has more outlets in more countries than any other juice bar in the world. She also has a long list of awards to her name, including BRW, naming her one of the 15 people that changed the way Australia does business in the last 35 years. In total, her businesses span across over 650 stores worldwide, so it's no surprise that as a Shark Tank investor, she can quickly pinpoint the difference between a good business versus a great one. Part of her unique philosophy is that it's not necessarily about being better, rather it's about being different. Some of the topics we spoke about include her epic go-to concoction that she makes each morning, what she learnt from backpacking for over seven years, the sacrifices involved when starting a business, having an always learning appetite and mindset, and the barbecue test she uses to inform and grow her businesses. So if you're looking to learn from a powerhouse businesswoman who's worn all the hats has weathered many storms, and has more proof in the pudding than most entrepreneurs I've ever met, then this is for you. By the way, if we're not connected already on Instagram, I invite you to reach out via my handle, TheGiantThinker. It's the fastest way to get in touch, and I love hearing from all those on the other end of the airwaves. Now, before we dive in, I'm excited to let you know about Stocksy. They are my image search library of choice. And personally, after over 14 years in the design industry, truth be told, there are hundreds of stock libraries out there that are just plain awful, which I won't get into right now. Instead, I want to save you the hassle and put Stocksy in front of you because they've provided me and my peers with extremely high quality, royalty-free stock photography and cinematic video over the years, and their options just get better and better. So before I plug the absurdly generous 20% off discount code, which they are kindly offering the Giant Thinkers community, and before you hit the fast forward button, let me expand briefly, literally 20 seconds of your time. First, the image library isn't full of cheesy, overused assets. Secondly, they use a highly curated editing approach to carefully select the most useful and authentic photos to include in their collection. Thirdly, their business model differs from traditional stock photography companies. They focus on creative integrity, fair pay, fair profit sharing, and co-ownership for its members and artists. Lastly, their website is very easy to use. 
the searching, filtering, navigating. It's all clear, intuitive, and simple. They even have a drag and drop feature. So if you're searching for an image and want to see a similar image on Stocksy, drag any of your reference images into the website and Stocksy can populate anything that is related for you to review. They've also launched a search by color feature. Enter a hex code or use their slider to search Stocksy's collection by color. They've truly raised the bar and the industry's expectations when it comes to stock photography and videos. The quality is remarkable and you'll see the difference immediately upon searching on there. And like me, you'll struggle to go back to the other libraries you are using. Images start at just 15 bucks USD. And as a listener of this podcast, you get 20% off. Head to giantthinkers.com slash Stocksy. Once again, that's giantthinkers.com slash S-T-O-C-K-S-Y. Use the code giantthinkers20. That's giantthinkers20. The link is also on this blog post. Alrighty, let's fire this up. I present to you the opportunistic, out-of-the-box thinking, power mum and business giant, Janine Alice. Janine, Alice, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Good. Very well. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, we've actually had on uh, your good friend and fellow shark tanker, Naomi Simpson, not too long ago. Yeah. So I interviewed her and uh, only very recently uh, interviewed Kevin O'Leary, who's, of course, from the US Shark Tank. Uh, So so I might as well just go for the whole panel, I guess. (laughs) You might as well. Got a few few more to go through, but you're getting getting there. I'm getting there. Um, And uh, first off, Janine, I I have an icebreaker question for you. So here we go. Uh, What is your favorite go-to juice that you make yourself? Um, What are the ingredients that you put in it? Well, I do two things. I have a go-to juice, which is a which is pretty much very basic. It is either the uh, pure Eden at Boost or the a basic uh, pineapple, celery, or and um, ginger. Fantastic. So I have that, but my smoothie, if you want to know that, is a very complicated smoothie. And so it's I'm I'm a believer, as you can imagine, in nutrition and health, and so. Knowing how my body works and how my needs are, my smoothie very much deals with that. So even if I don't eat anything else during the day, I have all my nutrition's nailed. And it's basically a base of yeah, banana, blueberries, and kale. That's my base. And then it's coconut water. So then, And then I add all sorts of stuff in there. So I have psyllium husk. I have chia seeds. I do um, omega-3 booster. I have um, iron because I'm quite low on iron as a, as a type. I've got calcium. I have, I have energy X, which is a metagetics type supplements. And anything else I need to put in there, I have um, you know, uh, turmeric, all sorts of things that I have to get my day on the right, on the right way. Well, to, to the... Uh probably the everyday person when you when you listed all those ingredients uh is probably thinking wow that's a lot but interestingly enough i i have a very very similar concoction to you there you go yeah i have almost all of those same ingredients uh probably minus the uh the uh the husk uh, powder and the um and uh, the omegas, but I, I just take them in, in other ways. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it re- you really feel the difference, don't you, when you when you kickstart your day with that um, and, and make it a daily habit. So, uh, Janine, for the listeners, where would you say your expertise lies? I don't think I'm an expert at all. Um, I think that um, I'm a student. 
you know, I think the day that you think you're an expert is the day you stop learning, right? So for me, I go, I have, I am a jack of all trades. Yeah, am I a master of any? Who knows? But for me, I go, I'm still nowhere near an expert. I need to continue to climb that Everest and climb that mountain to be that expert. And I think that I never will be it because there's always something to know. And as soon as you know it, as soon as you are an expert in something, the world will give you something that you're not an expert in. I think that we're moving into an era right now that there's no one an expert because we haven't been to this place before. No one can be an expert. So, And I think you need to move into this new era of AI and technology uh, with that view because if not, you'll be hit by a boulder. Yeah, it's almost a little clue that you revealed there as to how to stay hungry and, and how to just keep showing up every day to, to new things and uh, new learnings. So, Janine, uh, I love your story. You have had an incredible journey. Um, needless to say, you've dabbled in many, many different things to get to where you are. Can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up? Oh, look, I was I grew up in um, the eastern suburbs of Melbourne in Ferntree Gully in Knoxfield, which was, you know, pretty much middle, you know, it was, you know, low demographic. Um, you know, I had a, a house which was a, a green weatherbuild house. And it was a half an acre or a quarter of an acre. But it was next orchard, so had lots of fruit trees in the backyard and um, there was a, still a dirt road at the front back then um, and a milk cart used to come down and drop deliver the milk. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I used to walk four kilometres to school there and back and, it was sort of a childhood that was relatively free. You know, you didn't worry about things. We didn't have the social media or the news that, that we have now that made, made the creative fear. So was I on my own in a park? Sure. You know, did I walk around? Yeah. So I think there was a, a level of freedom and um, there was no such thing as political correctness. There was just, it was just a level of just living. So, but, you know, but there was no, no money. You know, I didn't come from any money. Uh, but you know, I never went without, I was always had, there's always a meal on the table. And uh, so my background was very much sport was my passion growing up. So it was, you know, netball, you know, I tried lots of things, but it was really netball. So for me, it was, you know, three nights a week training and weekend weekends and trips. And, you know, so it was all about sport. Fantastic. I, um, actually read a little uh, snippet of, um, that I just want to read out, which, which I love, which, uh, you, you'd, uh, provided on an article recently. Uh, there's nothing special about me. You wrote, I wasn't one of those kids in school that people voted most likely to succeed. I was just a very average, ordinary kid from Ferntree Gully that, uh, but I had a crack at, and, and I gave everything I had and failure was not an option. So my question is, what do you think influences, the ability to have that attitude and mindset, especially as a, as a child or, or a teenager? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, you, you've, we've got to create resilience. You know, at the moment we're in the world of everyone gets a trophy for, for participating. We are in a world of, you know, oh, you can't you can't be mean to Johnny or you can't do this, you can't do that. Like it's you've, you've got to learn in life that, you know what, life isn't so sweet all the time, but but that what that does is it builds a level of strength and character to be able to take that onto the next thing. So in actual fact, I think back at my whole life and, you know, there were some shitty things that happened to me. There was, um, I came, you know, close to all sorts of perils. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, you know, what I probably hasn't been as nice as I possibly could, and none of all those things. And, and you know, would would you rewrite your life to be perfect? The answer is no. 
And I wouldn't change anything in my life. And the reason I wouldn't change anything in, in my life is because it's it's created the person I am today. And I quite like that person. Does it mean that I have had this perfect life? No. Does it mean I've always been great? Absolutely not. I've actually been a, a basket case and a disaster. But I think you need to be able to have these challenges in your life to build these building blocks to actually just be able to to grow grow as a person. I, I just um, catch up with this guy at the moment who deals with all how people's mind works. And one of the things he says, and I agree with him, is go into the bush or go somewhere for a few weeks and then come back and stop complaining because we complain about the most ridiculous minutiae that we actually need to just go, really? You know, we are, and, you know, Australia, we are so lucky. You know, we got the DNA lottery, right? We, we are in Australia. So we have um, safety, security, more so than most other countries. But you go anywhere else in the world, nearly anywhere else in the world, or nearly actually in most countries, and you find uh, in ridiculous discrimination. I mean, we we get into our arms about someone saying something stupid. We have women getting getting put in jail because they're raped by their fathers and they, they have an abortion. You know, we have people out there that are that they've had a view that's not similar to the government and they've been put in jail and murdered. Like, you know, we've, we just need to get perspective and some resilience. Yeah, completely agree. I think um, you hit on the nail on the head with the perspective and the, uh, the gratitude piece. And then, of course, giving it a go implies that you are brave enough and courageous enough to, to not know what's ahead of you, but doing it anyway, understanding that it's the only way to grow. And it kind of uh, reminded me of a, a thing that you said in another article where you, you said something along the lines of, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough, uh, which I absolutely love. I think that was the title of the article. And uh, you've traveled a fair bit. At 21, you put on a backpack and you told your mother, I'm returning back in three months and you came home seven years later. Um, in your adventures overseas and all over the world, was there an important lesson that you learned that perhaps there's a story that encapsulates how your character was built into this person with so much determination? Look, I think that, um, you know, you've got to remember back when I was 21, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet, there was, no, there was only, the only form of communication was pretty much the mail. So you take a girl from, uh, you know, a girl that, you know, hadn't even come across anyone with coloured skin right, growing up, right? You take that girl who is in this little bubble of, of you know, just go netball and go to school, and then you put a backpack on her back and say, off you go, young lady, across the world, right? So, uh, so it took that 21-year-old and um, you put me into, you know, San Francisco and I, I worked as a count counsellor over there and then I, I found myself from there as a nanny in France and I never spoke French. Uh, I then take myself from there to a place called Tenerife, Spain, which was probably one of the most dangerous and corrupt islands in the world. You know, I was offered money to take um, money across borders. I had one time I had guys in the back of my car trying to find a safe house because they had a contract down their life. I felt like I was in some born identity. I was only raped twice in those areas. 20 of my friends were put into jail for three months and the judge was not well. And so there wasn't even a, a trial for three months in this shithole of a place. So, you know, so you, you talk about resilience, you know, you take this kind of a you know, normal little little girl from Melbourne and you give her these challenges in life. You know, I remember I was in France when I eventually got out of Tenerife and arranged in France 
And I um, got into a car because you, you're smart, right? You're really smart when you're 21. And so I was hitchhiking because that's really smart too, right? Because and, and by this way, just so you know, at no point my parents even knew what country I was in, let alone that, you know, I could have called someone. So I got in this car. And this car, this guy said to me, he goes, right, okay, I'm a, you know, Cannes Film Festival was on, I am, I'm a director of porn. I went, oh, okay, this, this will be interesting. And so it was interesting being someone, and this is life, you've got to sort of sometimes think on your feet. And so the guy drove past my stop, right? So I thought, okay, I'm in a bit of trouble here. But you just go, all right, what's the best way out of it, right? He's a male, he's a big bloke, can't fix that. Okay, I'll go along with it. Yep. Always wanted to do porn, you know, particularly with my A-size cups. I'm sure that I would have been a huge, you know, success in porn, right? But so sort of I used my emotional intelligence to say, yep, this is something I would like to do. I'm so keen. I'll meet you tomorrow. I've just got to do it. Like, so you use you use your skills. So in actual fact, I look at business and I and for those entrepreneurs, you so much of what I learned traveling in survival actually taught me to be a business person because in actual fact not having a solution to some of those problems was not an option like you had to just keep thinking and thinking and thinking until the answer came to you and you had to have perseverance because you again you couldn't give up right so and there was you know many stories similar to that as a young young and dumb um 21 year old traveler i mean i i speak to people my age and we go you know what we are here because we are lucky you know it wasn't because we're wise that we got to, to the age we we got to so it is it is that resilience and that problem solving skills that you do require in life and business and also um you know when you're traveling you know you you do go oh wow you know i I can't really afford accommodation, so I'll sleep on the train. Or so, so you kind of need a bit of toughness to then come back and go. Why are you worried about that? Really, it's a hard pillow. At least it's a pillow. <laughs> so it's those sort of things you need to think about. Well, that's what I think about anyway. That's how I live my life. Totally, yeah. I mean, the con- the concept of survival and um, playing the cards that you have available to you is certainly something that I. Uh, I think it's a great point and I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, I'd love to swing the needle now to the humble beginnings of Boost Juice. Uh, For those that are unfamiliar with how it all started, can you shed some light on it and how you gave birth to this now enormous empire? Yeah, look, it it came from after the birth of my third child. I was on maternity leave from a job I had called United International Pictures as a publicist. And pretty much you, I was got to that point where I went, what do I want to do in my life? You know, what what do I do? I want to go back to work for someone because that's where my sort of my my anxieties not anxiety I'm not anxious but my stresses always came from um, was other people's decisions and not being able to run my own race and it was really at the time when we went okay well look um I have got some time now because not because I got time because I got three kids as if I've got time but I've got time to think about what I want to do before I go back to work. Um, and so for that came came that thought of I'd like to start my own business. And and that was – and I've never been that sort of person. I was the adventurer, you know, because when growing up, no one I knew had their own business. It wasn't something that we did. Other people did it. We didn't do that. So, but really sort of sitting there and just going, okay, well, let's give this a shot, right? So we tried a few things. We tried publishing. We tried um, touring comedians. None of it worked that well. And so we were actually in America and we saw the category over there of the smoothie and juice category. And I like the category. I didn't like the concepts, but I like the category. 
And so really with that idea of juices and smoothies in my head, I came back to Australia with zero experience in business or putting a concept together or branding or anything and literally started from scratch. So typed the words in a computer business plan, wrote the vision, how I wanted to be, why I wanted to achieve that, what sort of things I want to do, how I want to look at, how it looked, what sort of customer experience I wanted. And, and so I really sort of crafted my thought process down to a piece of paper. And then that piece of paper became Boost. Fantastic. How old were you then, Janina, at that time? 32. 32. Okay. There's hope. I'm 32 now. So uh, <laughs> There you go. There, <laughs> there you go. So just on that, right, as you grow, you think that there's a big clock on us, right? If I haven't done this by then, if I haven't done this by then, I haven't done this by then. And look, the reality is, is as you go through life, there is financial commitments that you need. So, for example, 20 or 30, when you probably live with your parents, there's probably not many financial commitments that you need. 30 to 40, you start to feel like you're getting a little bit more serious and you need to put um, money away or you need to buy a house. So your choices on being entrepreneurial sometimes get limited by your lifestyle that you want to create. So, but there's never a, it's never too late. I mean, I'm I'm, um, at the age and I'm still going, what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I'm really at a, a time when the business is is in great shape. It's under, it's got some great hands handling it. Um, I sit there as a sort of a board member and a mentor in the business, but I'm not in the grind anymore, which means that it allows me to go, right, what else do I want to do in my life? I actually have all this time. And obviously busy people need to be busy and I'm a busy person. So, and, and mind you, I'm busy, but you know, what you, what's your next juicy thing? So it, it's never too late. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to definitely resonate with a lot of listeners. Um, so I found that uh, as of June 2017, anyway, uh, you had 270 stores in Australia uh, with another 197 stores uh, for a total of 467 stores. And um, But under the re- Retail Zoo Group, uh, you've got uh, the parent company there. I think you've got over 540 stores. Yeah, we've got 650 stores. Wow. Yeah. As so, of right and, now in 2019. Yeah, yeah, right now, as of this second. Yeah, so yeah, I'll have a look on the board. I'm sure it's gone up to by, by one or two tomorrow. Um, so with, with that, there is, you know, there's about 200 stores in other countries. Uh, so they're not all in Australia. Uh, there's probably about nearly 300 boost stores in Australia and then the others from the other brands. But, um, yeah, so we've got a yeah, number of balls in the air. Insane. And, and that's turning over, over over 3 billion, is it? Yeah, probably about 3 to 4 billion. Yeah, incredible. Uh, so what I wanted to kind of pinpoint was uh, the early years of that, since inception. You opened your first uh, boost juice bar in, in King uh, William Street in Adelaide. And uh, from 2000, which I believe is when, when it started, uh, to 2004, that was like a 175 s- stores operating in Australia and New Zealand. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, look, you know, it was. We, we went from zero to four years, we did 100 stores. And then that, in that year, we, 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 put, we did 50 stores. One of it was an acquisition of a competitor, and the rest was we put them on the ground. So it was a rapid rollout. And... People sort of go, you, you sort of say that now and you go four years, 100 stores, but really it, you, I didn't have many people. Like, yeah, when you start off a business, it's just you, right? And then probably a year in, it might be you and a part-time person and then another six months in. So those four years, um, we probably only had two years of having 
sort of even a team together to sort of together. And so that team had probably less than a year's of experience. So it really was a um, baptism of fire. I mean, we always said a year at Boost is like five years anywhere else because there is so much to do and so much to grow. And, you know, we had a great team, mainly women it was back then. And so we had a really powerful group of women that, you know, young women, you know, we were all, I think I was the oldest at 32 and the rest were all, all sort of either around my age or younger, just really driving through and solving all these problems. And it was, you know, it was an exciting time. You know, we were, you know, you, you get one-on-one um, -on -one can equal 100, you know, so there was four of us and so we could, you know, achieve anything. And it, it was how do we grow this business really safely and securely, Um but but still at the speed we needed to grow because it was a, a land grab and, you know, it was first in the mine, we were first in the mine and, you know, we were just passionate about this business that we were creating. And that's exactly what I wanted to to dive into, uh, this, this whole area of it being uh, you wearing many hats. So what were the, let's say, 20% of actions or decisions that gave you 80% of the results? I don't think there, there was. I think the... Um, Actions that gave me the best results was when things go wrong or um, you learn something new and it's actually the ability to go back and actually create a, create a system or a process to keep everyone on track. Um, so if you find even that, you know, I, I, want an ex, I want an outcome of something and I'm not getting that outcome, I will go, all right, what, what am I doing? Am I communicating correctly? Right, okay, I know everyone else got a lot on, so how, what system can I put in place that people can then follow and follow that bouncing ball to make sure we're all on the same page. Because you've got to understand that to, to, to grow 100 stores, there was such a domino effect. If someone hadn't done something, then someone would that would fall over or that would be late or, you know, many, many consequences of, of people not being at the optimum uh, efficiency or, or optimum what they're capable of. So it was very important that, you know, the systems were created. So probably, probably what you know, to answer your question is literally about making sure that the systems were in place to create it. So I talk it I talk a bit about it, which is the um, foundation. There's no point in and many businesses fail because they haven't created a strong foundation. There's no point building a massive house that weighs tons and tons if you haven't spent time on the on the the, the um, on the ground to make sure that it's really solid. And business is the same. It's all very well getting caught up in that bright light of the colors and the logo and the you know the product but if you haven't got the infrastructure for the so-called boring stuff then you're in serious trouble and you may not be in trouble today but at some point it will go crack mm, i totally agree um in this area that we're talking about here on um the things that you'd learned and the mistakes that you'd had um when you expanded internationally you know for example in, in you know china how did you overcome that period what happens is in in any markets that you go in and don't work, the key thing is really it gets down to the people who you do business with or your people you go in there. It is difficult to grow any sort of brand, you know, and to go into a market and not um, not grow, not really follow the certain areas and understand the consumer and go through the basics of listening to the consumer. You know, that market, the the product was, because yeah, we were in as a master franchise, so the, the partners that we took in, they were charging too much. They weren't speaking to the customers to say, where is the price point for this product? So there was, there was many things that we got wrong 
uh, or they got wrong and we, you know, consequently we were saying it was pretty obvious where, where it was going to go if you don't listen. So, so so the number one thing you need to get right when you're actually going into other markets is first and foremost is follow the, the correct systems in the sense that there is a philosophy of how any brand people can grow, grow a brand and, and it normally comes from absolutely obsession obsession to get it right obsession to understand the customers obsession to make sure that every single customer gets an extraordinary experience if you haven't got that obsession and unfortunately a lot of people don't it's very it's very difficult to to be successful in markets in terms of funding i know a lot of entrepreneurs are uh, often limited by you know thinking that they need funding um was this correct that you uh, had to fund your business um, with with your mortgage, your house, and all that, um, and and the support of your family? Was that was that a huge part to to the to kickstarting everything? Yeah, look, any business that starts from scratch in any in industry, um, young businesses are su- super hungry for cash. You know, you're basically whether you're building a house or you're building a business, there's a big black hole it's called expenses and very little comes in from the other side for a long time so quite often entrepreneurs go into business and go right i'm going to be rich and you go maybe in five years ten years never (laughs) so it's it's that expectation of people that they're going to do it and it's going to be huge is or or i do it and their value of their business is you know ridiculously high because why because it is i don't know why Uh, but People need to um, understand that when you go into business, cash is king, right? And, you know, whether they put it as a P&L or whether on the balance sheet, it's still cash and you need to keep finding it if you need it. And so for us, we went down the path and we're about probably two years in and the business needed some more cash because we got some original investors at the start. So how we funded that, we we actually took out a um, – we sold our family home and basically threw all that money into the bank. So we literally were all in. So it couldn't have failed or we'd be – not only would be we would be, would have been broke, we would have had more liabilities that we could possibly pay off in five lifetimes. So it had to, it had to work. <laughs> you wore the risk. For sure. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, incredible. And you can't give in. I think people give in. Sometimes you, it's, it's, there's a difference between throwing good money after bad and then there's a difference between people giving in because they just get worn down with the, with the um, grind because it, it does get a grind. So you must have been pretty certain with your business plan and your, uh, your product, your brand to, to risk that level, would you say? Certainty wasn't the emotion I was feeling with Boost. I'm not one that I'm a half full person, definitely, but I'm also a realist. And so there was probably, um, you think what motivates people. And, you know, one of the motivation was creating this business I could really love and be proud of and doing retail differently and doing exactly how I wanted to be as to a business that I would love to go as a consumer, which clearly, yeah, I do. Um, the second thing was um, fear. You know, I was um, I was highly motivated by fear. Fear is a wonderful motivator. You know, people go, oh, it creates stress. Yes, it does. But my God, does it actually create motivation? And um, 
so so for example uh you know i was f- the fear that you know i had it all everything on the line i couldn't fail fear that i was going to the board to give them my opinion on a maybe a country wanted to go into or investment want to do i needed to make sure that i did all the research i possibly can plus some so i used to be so prepared for meetings i remember we did an acquisition and I knew the guy's employment contracts and his contracts for his size better than he did by the time because it was like I took that really seriously because I went, if I get that wrong, which is where fear comes from, if I get it wrong and I'm not good enough, then the consequence for that is um, bad. So I was one, I'm one of these rare people with that gives, lawyers give me a contract and I read the contract. <laughs> <laughs> and I highlight it and I have questions and I don't, don't just assume because you know what? Lawyers get it wrong. Accountants get it wrong. Professionals get it wrong all the time. Doctors get it wrong, right? So you, you, I think there has to be a level of um, healthy scepticism that comes with going into business or going into um, into anything really. And so, and so, yeah, so fear was a massive – it actually got to a point one time just on fear that the – I was working so not so hard, but I was working so long and on that adren- adrenaline that I actually stopped and thought, when was the last time I ate? And it was, um, I think it was, I ended up calculating, it was like three and a half, four days. So I actually hadn't eaten anything for four days, not because of any other reason, is that my body was in that, um, the sympathetic nervous system was in overdrive and my body was just going, you're in fight mode, you are not eating we are not making you hungry because we are going for it and so you know so it was but you know i was skinny (laughs) but uh yeah but but it is interesting how the body sort of reacts and so i i my body was in a constant state of stress which i'm not saying that as a oh my god poor me i was in stress it was what what the business needed at the time to be the business it is today yeah well i appreciate the uh the transparency because that's you're in the thick of it that's um, reality. And people want to have this life balance, you know. Good mm. luck. Good luck if you want life balance and a business. Good luck if you want life balance and a business and a husband and <laughs> three kids. Good luck. So uh, how many kids have you got now? Four. Super mum. <laughs> not you asking, probably not. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about something quite specific about starting a business around originality. How much does originality play in an in an idea um, of of a product being successful or a service? Um, and I ask this because, just briefly, that there are so many businesses I've seen that do have done really well, and it's not been drastically new by any means. Um, and there are so many people who don't pursue an idea because they feel it's not original. Mm. I think the reality is that don't be better be different so you need to be different but it doesn't mean you need to create a whole new um food you know a a scientific food product right um like for example i didn't invent juices and smoothies right clearly i didn't right they've been around for a lot longer than i have but did i I package it a different way i was different because how we actually delivered the product i was different because how the the team were actually engaged i was different because of my training so i delivered it differently i packaged it differently it was different it wasn't better probably wasn't better than the juice you could make from home i mean it's pineapple and apple you know you can do it i can do it it's not that hard but it, it was packaged differently like even um some of the burger chains you know you got mcdonald's right it's a burger right you've got you know, some, you know, Betty's Burgers or other, you know, cool burger places, they're still burgers. They're still a bun with meat and stuff, right? They're, 
But then why is it why is it successful? Because they have that they're packaging it differently, they're delivering it differently, their taste is just that little bit special, or the, or the buns, or there's something that's different. It's not just a better burger, it's different. And I think that's the key thing. So in actual fact, you know, one of the books I think is great is um, I think it's 24 Immutable. I think it's 24. If it's, if it's not, it's close enough, right? 24 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And, you know, it, there's some great one-liners in there. And it's a 1974 book. It's, it's great. And, you know, I think sometimes you need to go back to actually to get some tips more than just what you find on the internet. Mind you, that is on the internet, so you can actually Google it if you like. Um, and one of them talks about categories. So they might say, okay, you've got um, – it's like war, right? You've got a hill that you need to, to take, right, that hill we have to take to win the war. Well, you, if you've only got so many men, you can't go wide. You've actually got to go narrow. So business is a bit like that. You, you might go, right, we're in the drink category, right? Drink charity, that's a big hill, the drink category. You've got Coke in there. You've got milk in there. You've got coffee, right? Wow, that's a big category, right? How can we win? We can't win the drink category, but we can win in the health category. So let's, in the drink category, create a new category called health. So suddenly in the health category, there's only a few players, right? We can beat those few players because there's, there's only, particularly back then, there was nothing in the health category. So we then created a new category, which was the health category. So yeah, we're still in the drinks. We still hang out with the, you know, the drink guys, the Coke, the water, the coffee, the tea, right? But we are health. So when you're actually looking at business, Understand that you might be you might be in the clothes category. Great, be in the clothes category, but are you in the boho clothes category, or are you in the pajama category? Or so so that's how you need to look at business. You need to sort of you know find out where you are and try and make it as narrow as possible. Then you can squeeze out, but 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 own but own a category. Also ask yourself. I do the barbecue test, right? So you ask yourself, is um, you know. What would I? What would people say about my business in a barbecue, right? So, what would they do? So, you you need to go. You need to give them something you're famous for. So, if you've got a restaurant, and in that restaurant you have the most amazing bread, right? It's just to die for bread, and you have these oils to, and whatever it is. So, you then go to the barbecue and go, right? Okay, hi Sue, yeah, oh great, how's your kids? Right, awesome. Hey, you've been to Jack's? You got to try the bread when you're there. Like you got to get people talking about it. So what do I want people to say about booze? So I think about what they want. To, I want them to say, and then I deliver it. I deliver them great taste. I deliver them a great experience. I deliver them with a smile. You know, we don't change the world, but we just want to make their day that little bit better. Perfect. I can uh, almost hear the audience uh, madly scribbling down all those uh, pieces of advice right now. A few more questions for you, Janine. Um, advice for setting up a business that aims to one day be a franchise. Does it have to be set up differently? Yeah, don't don't focus on the franchise. Right? At the end of the day, if you create a great business, you create options. You know, people sort of go, I want to do a franchise business. Well, just make just do a great business and then go, actually, maybe it's company, maybe it's franchise, maybe it's license. So don't go into it as a franchise, go into it as a successful business. One piece of advice for those looking to pitch their idea on Shark Tank? Uh, be yourself and be prepared. And a few more rapid fire questions for you, Janine. Uh, a question I ask all my guests, if you could travel back in time and speak to your junior self, uh, perhaps uh, the Janine finishing high school, uh, what would you tell her? I'd tell her to go for it. I, and I wouldn't give her any advice because you actually have to learn and make mistakes. It's the mistakes more than what you what you get told, which makes you the it makes you and the business the best it can be. So I would go, just go for it. 
And uh, who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life, uh, a person that perhaps has uh, inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential? Yeah, I think that would be my husband. My husband has always had more faith in my ability than I have. And I think he's either naive or just doesn't know the detail. But um, he's always gone, yeah, you can do it. And I go, okay, I'll do it then. <laughs> Fine. Sure. And, which, yeah, so often he'll go, yeah, you can climb that mountain. Mm, it's a bit high. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> what was uh, your husband's name again? Jeff. Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. Um, so what's next for you, Janine, with everything you're involved in uh, for this year and beyond? Uh, look, you know, I've got a couple adventures coming up this year. Um, I'm still working out what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, you know, and then it's, you know, business as usual. You know, the boost journey is far from ended. And, you know, it's one that, you know, I, I, it's one of my babies, my fifth baby. So, you know, it's something I need to keep uh, keep going and, and keep finding new, new exciting flavors and concoctions for the consumers. Fantastic. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Um, and how can they get in touch with you online? Uh, look, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I have Instagram and Twitter. So I think just a bit of a search there, you'll, I'll pop up somewhere. Fantastic. Uh, Janine, thank you so much for your time. I no, my appreciate pleasure. this uh, more than you know. And uh, I, I hope that it was uh, incredibly valuable for all the listeners as it was for me. So thank you so much. No worries at all. Thanks a lot. See you later. Thank you for tuning in, Giants. I hope Janine has given you plenty of direction and inspiration. Please share this episode with a friend or a family member if you think it would benefit them. Sometimes it takes just one little thing, one little sentence or even one little word that can nudge us in the right direction. This episode might have had that for you or it might have that for a loved one. You can forward giantthinkers.com to anyone and it'll take them right to it. Also, the Giant Thinkers podcast is available on Spotify. So if that's more convenient to listen to, every episode appears on Spotify too. Now a quick teaser for our next guest. He is an extremely talented, curious and creative graphic designer who runs the popular design blog Just Creative, which doubles as his award-winning graphic design and branding firm. Some of his clients include Disney, Seinfeld, Coca-Cola, and Nintendo. He has spoken at TEDx, been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and has been awarded LinkedIn's exclusive Best of 2017 for graphic design. With a following of over 90,000 fans and having over 50 million views across his websites, we're all in for a treat for this interview. Lastly, a brief reminder to check out Stocksy. They are without hesitation my image search library of choice and upon landing on their website, you'll see why. Plus, you get a whopping 20% off as a listener, so I really do encourage you to check them out. Their library is highly curated and isn't full of cheesy, overused assets. The entire website is the easiest to use of all the libraries I've come across, from searching, filtering, and navigating, all intuitive and simple. They even have a drag and drop search feature. If you have an image and want to see a similar image on Stocksy, drag that image into their website and Stocksy will populate anything that is related for you to review. Plus, they have a search by color feature. Enter a hex code or use their slider to search Stocksy's collection by color. So I encourage you to take advantage of this exclusive 20% off discount. Head to giantthinkers.com slash Stocksy. 
That's giantthinkers.com slash S-T-O-C-K-S-Y. Use the code giantthinkers20. That's giantthinkers20. The link is also on this blog post. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. Send me a DM via my handle, the giant thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I loved from Janine who said, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough.